Welcome back to Return to Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Curry. If you haven't yet listened to our previous episode, please make sure you go back and give it a listen. It's called Woe Is Me, Episode 8 on Return to Truth. Okay, before we begin today's episode, let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we reach out to you today in prayer and ask that you will help us to understand your will for our lives. Lead us in your perfect path of righteousness. Help us also to understand that all we do should be out of love for you. You paid that perfect price. You gave out of love. Now let us do the same. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. The title of today's episode is Trust and Obey. Remember that beautiful old hymn, Trust and Obey. It goes like this. When we walk with the Lord, In the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. How true those words really are. Reminds me of a question. Is obedience legalism? Now that's a great question, isn't it? Let's think about this for a moment. What if your children said the same thing to you when you asked them not to play in the busy road? Would you then allow your children to walk off into the road and do as they please? Probably not, unless of course you don't care about your children. But that's not how God is. That's not who He is. He does in fact care about us, just like our parents. You know, there's a reason we call God the Father. It's like he is, in fact, a real fatherly figure to us, unlike anyone we've had before. He is, in reality, a real loving parent. In fact, we have heard it time and time again that God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. What he asks for us is for our own good. He knows what's best and we don't. When you walk in your own way, what you are really saying is that I know more than God. I know what's best for my life. We need to remember that God is for us. He's not against us. He alone knows our paths and what he commands for us is perfect for our lives. So if that's true, then why question it? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 reads, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I think the answer to that question is pretty straightforward. The reason we fight so hard against obedience is because of selfishness. If we comply and follow the path that God has given us, then that means we have to change our lives, our way of thinking, and of course, our hearts. How will it affect me? What will I have to give up? What needs to be changed? These are the responses that go through our minds, no doubt, and it all stems from self. James chapter 3, verse 14 reads, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Let's look at the meaning behind these words. According to Merriam-Webster, obedience means an act or instance of obeying the quality or state of being obedient. And legalism means strict, literal, 
or excessive conformity to the law. Do you see a contrast here? One seems peaceful and the other seems to be more forceful, doesn't it? You know, my parents used to say to me when I asked many times over and over again if I could do something that they didn't agree with, if you love me, you will do what I say. Legalism doesn't equal love. Obedience, on the other hand, does. Here's the thing. Does good works save you? Of course not. Legalism exists when people attempt to secure righteousness in God's sight by good works. Let's look what Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8-10 through 10 says about this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But let's keep on reading to the very next verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, what everybody? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What does that mean? In the first part, it says, not a result of works. But the second part, it says, for good works, that we should walk in them. You're probably confused at this point, and rightfully so. But let's examine this further. Walk in what exactly? What is being asked here? John 15, verse 10 reads, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. With that being said, we don't keep the law to be saved. We keep the law because we are saved. The ability to keep them is only through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can't do anything of this on our own. It's called loving him who died for us because he first loved us. Our salvation is already secured in Christ Jesus and his blood. He already paid that price and we are sealed for his kingdom. The gift has been given and we have accepted. There is nothing more needed to earn it. But does that mean we should walk in the way of the world and follow the paths of Satan? Should we go on sinning? Why would we do that to someone who literally just paid the price on the cross? Wouldn't that be a slap in the face of God? Romans 6 verses 1 through 2, Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? I advise you guys to read through the entire chapter of Romans 6. It makes so many great points about this, and I'd love to read it all, but we haven't even really started yet. You see, legalism focuses on God's laws more than a relationship with God. But to have a relationship with God means you will want to follow the paths he has set before you. And what exactly is the best way to do that? Well, Matthew chapter 19, verse 17 reads, If you would enter into life, keep the commandments. If you're keeping the law without a truly submitted heart of love, then you haven't fully understood or accepted what the transforming sacrifice of Jesus has done for you. And that is where the confusion begins. Being works-oriented is the exact same thing that the Pharisees and Sadducees did. And look where it got them. There was no heart in the matter. There was no love. They did it blindly based on what they were taught and their traditions and to be seen by men. The publican stood by himself, bowed his head, and prayed, God be merciful to me, a sinner. The Pharisee thought he was already perfect in his ways of keeping the law 
and did not need anything further. But the publican knew that he was not perfect and needed God's help. He was humble and asked God to forgive him, and in doing so he realized a new birth was needed. Never come to a point where you think you have accomplished everything needed. You have done nothing on your own. God is the reason you are where you are today. Isaiah 64, verse 6 reads, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. So the point is, you keep the law because Christ has kept you. He loves you, and in turn, you accept him into your life and love him through your actions. He paid the price, and you are kept by the power of his word. As I said before, salvation is a free gift, but even free gifts have some conditions attached. If someone gives you a house plant as a gift, what do you do typically? You water it, make sure it has plenty of sunlight. What about a pet? If you were gifted a dog, cat, or even a bird, what would you do? Throw it in the closet and shut the door, right? Wrong. You would nurture that gift, care for it, and feed it. So there can be conditions attached to a free gift. We can't just tuck it away like the gift card in your wallet and forget about it. Just like the free plant or pet, God wants our love too. It's not a one-way street. I mean, that is why we accepted him as our Savior, right? Because we love him for what he has done for us. Surely we didn't do it for our own gain alone. John 14, verse 15 reads, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. However, it's more than just keeping the commandments. God's holy law extends into every part of our everyday lives. Our bodies, for instance, are a temple, or in other words, a vessel for the Holy Spirit, a dwelling place for Christ himself. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, you are allowing him to work in you, and his power should change your walk, your life, and yes, even your physical appearance. This includes what you eat, drink, say, think, and yes, even how you treat your body physically. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 reads, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. If indeed our bodies are the vehicles that hold the very presence of Jesus, then wouldn't you want to get a tune-up? Imagine it this way. If God was going to be driving your car, what would you do? You would probably get the oil changed, maybe a new air filter, fill up with the best gas, wash, and detail it. Me, I'd probably just go out and buy a brand new car for him, but that's just me. You would do all you could because this is God we're talking about here. So why would we think our bodies and lives should be any different? Why please Him? Because we love Him. Because He gave His Son for us. Again, God's laws and commandments are perfect and just. And God knows what's best for our lives in every area. They are there for a reason. Psalms 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now, I could probably make a whole podcast on the health message alone that God wants us to follow, which really ties into this as part of God's will for our lives in order to sustain our well-being for the further telling of the truth. 
but there is still so much more to say. So that will be another episode. So get it back on topic. Only a legalist would say that by our own deeds, we could gain the favor of God and forgiveness of sin. That plan would make man out to be his own savior. However, if we say that we are free to disregard the commandments of God, then there is no point really in becoming a Christian because we are no different than what we were before becoming a Christian. So where is the change at? Salvation begins where we are, in our sins. We can't offset the guilt of yesterday with doing good today. That's why Christ has done it for us. But God's love ought to be given back to Him. If we are doing this to save ourselves, then He will never accept us. But if we are doing it out of love, then that shows the character of God in us. While nobody is saved by obedience, neither is anyone saved by disobedience. Keeping them can't save us, and breaking them certainly won't either. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 reads, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So after hearing these verses, can you really deny that commandment-keeping does not play a key role in God's plan? If so, then how are you a new creature? Sin is the transgression of the law. The law shows us our sin. We are saved from the guilt and the power of sin, yes, but the transaction changes you, and it becomes a delight in the law of God to please and to keep them. Now, I want to say this again, so write it down this time. Don't try to keep them in order to obtain salvation. You have already obtained it when you accepted Jesus. However, because of that, you will want to keep them because you love him. It's a changing of one's life and attitude. Satan has really messed up this entire way we think about this in the church. The bottom line is this, no one is saved by keeping them, but Christ did not in any way get rid of them or blot them out, and he tells us this in his own words. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20 reads this, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle will by any means pass from this law until all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus himself said, I haven't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. You know, many people think he did away with obedience because of that statement. If we use that in that type of logic, let's see how it sounds now. Do not think that I have come to destroy the law, but to do away with it. Isn't that the same thing? That doesn't even make any sense. What does this mean, fulfill? The meaning of fulfill is to put into effect, execute, or to carry out a task, duty, or role as required, pledged, or expected. What's happening in this verse is Jesus is saying this, I did not come to break the law or to do away with it, but to keep it in its absolute nature. He fulfilled the keeping of the law 
not the doing away with it. He goes on to say that not one jot or tittle will pass away from the law until all is fulfilled. And that key word here is all, and that hasn't quite happened yet. The reality of this is simple. The law is still binding. It hasn't changed. God's laws are perfect. He didn't make a mistake when making them. You see, God promises to keep you from all error and lead you safely to all truth. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it may seem impossible to be completely obedient to God, and really no one can obey in their own power. But through the power of Christ, we can stand firm, and that is what He wants of our lives. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 says, With God, all things are possible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. John chapter 15, verse 5 says, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And finally, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. In the book of Desire of Ages, it says, God will preserve all who walk in the path of obedience, but to depart from it is to venture on Satan's grounds. When you are married after the wedding, do you just give up? Do you just stop trying at that point? Do you say, well, that's it for me. I've done my part. Time to sit back and relax. No, you keep on doing whatever it was that showed your true love to the person you were with. You aim to please and to be obedient in all you do because you love the one you are with. Would God be any different? The Bible teaches us that true love to our God doesn't exist without obedience. True love and obedience go together and can't exist without each other. John chapter 14 verses 23 and 24 says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He who does not love me does not keep my words. You know, it's said, absolute freedom comes only from obedience. Freedom without obedience is a false freedom. True Christian freedom means freedom from disobedience. I really love this next quote. Put simply, the essence of true salvation is to obey God because we love Him. Legalism is obeying God in an attempt to earn salvation. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Notice that Christ tells us exactly who will be saved those who are obedient to God. Do you see what actually just happened here? Contrary to what many believe, the Bible makes a clear distinction between legalism and obedience. And now you may be saying, but wait a minute, did the Bible just contradict itself? We're saved by grace. So what does obedience have to do with it? First, we know that Christ paid the penalty for our sins. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3. This is not all Christ did for us, though. Christ himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. 
that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. That's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Now he, God the Father, made him Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We become righteousness. There it is, my friends. That's the point to all of this. We are saved through Jesus' blood and his sacrifice so that we can become a living sacrifice or a walking testimony for him. Here's the thing. Salvation is free. You cannot earn it. That's already been done. But you can show your love back to him who gave you everything. You will never go wrong obeying God. Christ was our gift from God, and obedience is our gift back to him. You know, it said obedience to God isn't the means of our salvation. It is the limitless test of our salvation. It distinguishes the saved from the lost. We are saved because we obey God. We obey God because we are saved. So the bottom line here is this. We are not saved by anything we could do on our own. Christ has already done it for us. But we need to show God our love towards him. We need to follow the paths of Christ. And how can we do that? By keeping his commandments. Because he said, those who love me will keep my commandments. So maybe the question that should be asked is this. Is love legalism? I'll let you be the judge of that. Well, that is all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We have so much more coming your way. Please remember to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast channel and stay tuned for our next episode as we return to truth.